Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Carrie Latticer for week five in our series, Starting Over. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. I'm sure we've all heard of the Nobel Prizes. These prestigious awards are given out to people who've made a significant contribution to the betterment of humankind. There's the Nobel Prize for Literature, the Nobel Prize for Medicine, and the one we hear most about, the Nobel Peace Prize. But have you ever heard the story behind these prizes? They're named for a Swedish man, Alfred Nobel, who awoke one morning in the year 1888 to a surprise in the newspaper. Written there in black and white ink, he found his obituary. It seems a journalist had mistakenly thought that Alfred had died. As troubling as it was to see his premature death announced to the world, what disturbed Alfred the most was the headline. It read, The Merchant of Death is Dead. You see, Nobel was a chemist and an accomplished inventor. And his most famous invention was dynamite. He held the patent for dynamite and had built dynamite factories all over the world, making him millions and earning him prestige as one of Europe's most prominent industrialists. Yet his obituary didn't celebrate his technical genius or his entrepreneurial skills. It painted him as a greedy man who became excessively wealthy, by selling people materials to obliterate one another. Author Daniel Pink describes what happened next. Eight years later, when Nobel did die, his will contained a surprise. Instead of leaving his fortune to his family, his estate established a set of prizes for those who, during the preceding year, shall have conferred the greatest benefit on mankind, the Nobel Prizes. The impetus for this gesture, the legend goes, was the premature obituary. Nobel glimpsed a preview of his future, and he regretted what he saw. Anticipating his regret, he changed his behavior to avoid it. When Alfred Nobel looked ahead, he got a preview of what he would regret, and his regrets became a starting line for a new legacy. I believe the same could be true for us. Over the past four weeks, we've been talking about regrets. These can be regrets of action, something you wish you hadn't done. Other times, they're regrets of inaction, a missed opportunity where you didn't take action you wish you had. Or they could be regrets of reaction. Maybe something happened to you. It was no fault of your own, yet you still feel regret. Whether it's something from last week, last year, or decades ago, we long to make things right, to change direction, to begin again. Yet somehow our attempts to fulfill this longing often elude us. We call this back and forth between longing and regret the sorry cycle. Sadly, it's a sequence too many of us live with every single day. But today, I have good news to share with you. Regret doesn't have to be a finish line. In fact, our regret can be a starting line. 
There's an alternative to getting stuck in the sorry cycle, and it's learning to live in the starting over loop. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul is someone who broke free from the sorry cycle and lived in the starting over loop. We know him as one of the most prominent leaders in the early church. His writings comprise almost half of the books we find in the New Testament, and yet his legacy could have gone a very different way. We first learn about Paul in Acts chapter 9 when he's going by his Hebrew name, Saul. Here, Luke, the writer of Acts, tells us the story of Paul's conversion from someone who was persecuting followers of Jesus to someone who became one of the most prominent missionaries for Jesus. But something I find interesting is that this isn't the only time we hear about Paul's story. Paul repeats his own story in his own words multiple times in the New Testament. You could check it out in Acts 22, Acts 26, 1 Corinthians 15, Galatians 1, Philippians 3, over and over again. He recounts who he was and then the wild transformation he experienced. Today, I want to look at one of those retellings to see what it can teach us about breaking free from the sorry cycle in order to live in the starting over loop. Let's look at Acts 22. Now, Paul could have turned a blind eye to his regrets, and trust me, he had plenty to regret. This guy had a rap sheet that would make Al Capone blush. He could have ignored his regret, but he chose not to. When you read about how Paul told his story, there's a sort of sacred vulnerability. At a time when he might have been tempted to hide the regrets from his past as he worked to spread the good news about Jesus, Paul doesn't hide. He comes clean about what he had done before he became a follower of Jesus. Listen to how he describes his ugly past. I persecuted the followers of this way, that is, the followers of Jesus, to their death arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. The type of punishment Paul is referencing is something no human should experience. Paul never tried to hide his regrets here. He owned his mistakes. And if we ever hope to start over, we too have to recognize our regrets. It's how we begin to live in the starting over loop instead of getting stuck in the sorry cycle. We have to face our regrets head on. We can't give in to the temptation to hide them or to turn a blind eye. There are endless reasons why we might want to turn a blind eye to regret. Sometimes we don't comprehend how important it is to recognize our regret. It gets put on the back burner like a dirty casserole dish we just don't want to take the time to scrub clean, a mess we'd rather avoid. Sometimes we're too lazy or more often too scared to do the hard work of uncovering regret in our lives. 
We know it's important. We know we're supposed to, but we just refuse to do the work required of us to begin the process. Sometimes we're too discouraged to begin the process. We doubt that any good will come of it, or we assume our regret is simply too big or too painful, so we let our inner Eeyore win out, or we find ways to deflect or at times even blame others. It's hard to face our regrets head on. Recognizing a regret is like ripping off a bandage and touching a wound. There will be pain involved. It's unavoidable. But what I've found is that being willing to face our regrets head on is the only way we can begin to heal. Risking the short-term pain is well worth the long-term reward. Paul recognized his regrets. He owned them, and it helped him move forward. But recognizing his regrets wasn't enough. Paul also had to release them. As Paul tells his story, there is a pivotal moment that helped him start over. He recounts how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was blinded. He was in a daze. But God sent a man named Ananias, a follower of Jesus, who challenged Paul, saying these words, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Paul had the life-altering realization that God's grace was bigger and more powerful than any regret he had or ever would have. He could loosen his white-knuckled grip on his regret and cling fully to God's grace. And his baptism represented that letting go. Now, there's something interesting about this passage. The call to be baptized is in what's called the middle voice, meaning the words are permissive in force. In other words, Paul was to allow this baptism to take place. He had to let go and let the baptism happen. You see, baptism is a marker event in the life of a Christ follower where we draw a line in the sand and we put a stake in the ground and say, I'm in. I want to start over. I want to begin again with Jesus. In baptism, we are united with Christ. It's a reenactment of his death and resurrection as we go down into the water and then come back up. And from that moment on, We are a brand new person. The old us, with all of our mistakes and all of our regrets, is gone. We are forgiven, made whole, and then given a new identity. But we we must allow this to happen. Like Paul, we give God permission to do His work in our lives when we decide to get baptized. And yet so many of us, even after we make a commitment to Jesus through baptism, we struggle to release our regrets. In some strange way, our regrets can become something that we cling to for security, like like an old blanket, one that we find some sort of comfort in holding on to. Or maybe they're like that old grungy couch from your young adult days that you just couldn't give up. It smells, it squeaks, and everyone is terrified to sit on it, but you're still clinging to the memories it holds. Or perhaps the era 
it represents. I wonder if part of the reason Paul told his story so often was to remind himself that he had been released from his regrets. They no longer defined his destiny. He could start over, and you can too. To break free from the sorry cycle and live in the starting over loop, we have to let go and allow God to free us. We, too, have to release our regrets. And the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that God isn't interested in simply erasing our regrets. He longs to redeem them. Our pain can be leveraged to bring hope and healing to a world that's desperate for it. Our wounds can become medicine for others. A few years ago, I got to hang with recording artist Lecrae, who shared his own story of regrets and redemption in his life. He reminded us how powerful it is to share these moments with others because, as he says it, our scars show others that we know a healer. God's plan was to redeem Paul's regrets by using him to help future generations find their way back to God. As Paul continues to tell his story in Acts 22, he recounts how God said to him, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. God refuses to let Paul stay stuck in the sorry cycle. He refuses to let Paul's past define his future. Instead, he wants to redeem Paul's regrets by sending him to tell untold numbers of people about Jesus. I wonder if one of the reasons Paul was so effective in helping people find their way back to God was because he knew firsthand what it was like to be far from God. Friends, regret does not have to be a finish line. It can be a starting line for a brand new legacy. We can learn to move forward by living the starting over loop instead of the sorry cycle. Living beyond your regrets can become a way of life. Greg is someone who made the decision to pursue the starting over loop in his life. Over the past few weeks, we've shared his story as he battled his regrets and learned to start over. As we near the end of this series, we thought it would be great to catch up with Greg, so our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, reached out to him. Let's listen in on their conversation now. You know, I think one of the things, Greg, that made your story really just very compelling was just how brutally honest you were about your own struggles with addictions um, and just the way you just authentically shared it. As you kind of look back, what, what were some of the keys for you in kind of breaking the cycle and starting over? I remember one time, um, one of your old pastors, Sean, shared with me uh, the story of Paul when I was just, just, you know, dying on the inside in regret. And he explained to me the life that he had led, persecuting others and hurting others, and how uh, now he wrote half the Bible, right? So, uh, and he's using that to help save lives. And and that was a turning point for me that maybe, just maybe the pain and the hurt and the regret and the bad things could end up being something good. Um, so I'd say turning toward that and then candidly finding others to help hold my hand while I walked out of it was the biggest help. 
have those regrets kind of haunted you in any way? Have they come back and like, what do you, what do you do then? Because it, it probably isn't quite as tidy as like a three minute video. <laughs> no, no, it's never as, as clean as, hey, this happened and now everything's wonderful forever. It's been well over a decade, right? Since, since the, the, the darkest moments of my life in addiction. And one thing that's stayed pretty consistent uh, throughout that time is, is I've, I've been able to, to, I guess, let, let God work through me and with me to help me turn to help others, whether it's in recovery meetings or folks in the church I meet. I see today that it's precisely this, my mistakes, my pains, my screw-ups, um, the things I didn't do well that have become the biggest thing in the world that helps me be a blessing to others. I am uniquely, God uses that, uses you in those moments to be uniquely qualified to help someone who's suffering similarly when no one else can, and we need you. So get unstuck, <laughs> let, let, let God work. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's good. I wanna go back a little bit too, cause I know a, a pivotal moment for you was that happened at Community, and that was a place where you, you know, really said yes to Jesus. Uh, you found your way back to God and you were, you were baptized. What, what are your, some of your memories surrounding uh, that moment? It was one of the more impactful moments of my life. Uh, it truly felt like it was, it was letting go of all holding on to the past and turning to God and saying, all right, I am, I am yours and, um, and I will follow you. And thank you. Everything all wrapped up in one. And so uh, I'll never forget the day. What would you say to those folks who are like thinking about, wow, should I go all in with Jesus? Should I make that kind of a public commitment to be baptized? I would say, what are you waiting for? Um, I, for me, it was this moment of, of, even though there was hesitation, the, the, the quiet voice said, you're here for a reason. And you're thinking about this for a reason. And that reason is, you know, there's something bigger than what you're currently doing. There's there's more to life than the way you're living. And baptism for me was that official step into this entire new life that I found uh, through following Jesus. So I'd say do it and do it now. <laughs> Don't wait. Regret can be the starting point for starting over. One thing we have to understand about the starting over loop to recognize, release, and redeem our regrets is not something we do once. It's something we have to do over and over again. Living beyond regret is not a one-time decision. It's actually a way of life. The prophet Jeremiah puts it this way. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Family, we have a new opportunity to start over every day, each morning. That means each day, each sunrise, every breath is a chance to experience God's mercies, an opportunity to breathe in his grace and his love and his forgiveness, a brand new chance to start over. 
how might you engage the starting over loop if you too take the perspective of Alfred Nobel and let your regrets become the starting line for a new story? If you regret not taking action because a decision in front of you felt like a risk and now you're bummed you didn't take the risk, what if today is the day you start over? Or perhaps you took the risk and it cost you. You deeply regret paying the price and you wish you could go back in time and change things. But what if today is the day you start over? Maybe some of us right now are paralyzed by a relational regret and we're wondering, do I reach out and seek healing or or leave things as they are? What if today is the day you choose to start over? Whether the regrets are big, life-altering things like Alfred Nobel faced or the daily small regrets we all face, like losing your temper or not being attentive to the people right in front of you, we can all start over. Each and every day is an opportunity to start over. Sometimes this looks like doing the work, engaging in repair work. There are times my kids want to share something with me and I'm too distracted and I miss out on listening to them. Sometimes I'm in a moment of overwhelm and I snap at them after they've asked me for help. Repair work, owning that my response was not okay and wasn't their fault, gives me an immediate opportunity to start over. I can ask for their forgiveness and the chance to start over. Repair work models for them that the grace I hope they're able to ask for is available. The grace I hope they can extend to others is available as they learn how to start over too. The wildest part is that repair work, as scary as it can be, it's what strengthens and deepens our relationships. When regret wants to drag us into the sorry cycle, let's work the starting over loop as a way of life. The moment we feel that twinge of regret, recognize the regret, stare it in the face, name it for what it is, and decide to own it instead of letting it own you. Next, release your regret. Seek forgiveness or or release it in whatever way necessary. Leave your regret in the past and move forward into a new future. And finally, let God redeem your regrets. Bringing something good from them as only He can do. And again, recognizing, releasing, and redeeming our regrets, our regrets, it's not something we do once. It's something we have to do over and over again. Living beyond regret is not a one-time decision. It's a way of life. Maybe Paul shared his story so many times because it was part of his own journey of learning to live in the rhythm of the starting over loop. Perhaps he realized that choosing to live in the starting over loop is what gives God's new mercies space in our lives. How about for you? What do you want to be true of you when you look ahead in your life? Today is an invitation for you to begin a new story. 
We're all at different places in our spiritual journeys. Some of us have been at this Christ-following thing for a long time, and others are maybe just beginning to figure it out. This may be the very first time you have experienced church in years, or maybe you've been a part of a faith community for a long time. Either way, what I'm certain of is this. We all long for a fresh start, a chance to start over. And that is what God is offering to us today. I want to invite you to spend time this week capturing your own starting over story. Maybe it begins when you began or who you were before you met Jesus. Maybe your starting over story starts when you got baptized. Or perhaps the starting over begins for you today. I can't promise you that all the parts of your story get redeemed in the ways that you long for. But I can assure you that God is in the business of redemption, and there is no regret you can hold that He cannot redeem. Right here in the chat on COTV, you can download a a starting over story card. My hope is that each person here would write out their starting over story this week so that we can celebrate your stories. In fact, next week, we have a whole service devoted to celebrating what God has been up to in our lives and in our church. So take this card, write out your story, and then have it with you when you join us next week. We will also celebrate baptisms together. If your story hasn't yet included taking this important step in aligning yourself with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus through the step of baptism, I want to encourage you to take that step of starting over as well. Let's take the time to capture our starting over stories and to share them so that our scars can show the world we know a healer. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call you plus. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.